0: Swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code Tour Stories10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. And we continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, And we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Julie. Lindsay. Hi.
1: Hi. Thanks for having us. Sure.
0: Thanks for coming over digitally. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where are you? I'm in Eagle Rock in LA near uh kind of between like Pasadena and Glendale. It's
0: where my mom was born.
2: No way in Eagle wow. Rock.
0: Amazing.
2: Yeah. I'm in I'm in Tahunga where they filmed The Craft in River Oh Edge. my
0: gosh. Have you always lived in Tahunga?
2: I've lived in Tahunga for like two years now, okay. but I I love it a lot.
0: Um before we go any further, I forgot. Uh can you identify your name and your voice so the listener can memorize that?
2: yes uh, this nasal person with vocal vocal fry is
0: Julie Edwards hi
2: <laughs> this here is
1: Lindsay Thank you
0: um so you're both in Southern California did you did you grow up there?
1: Yeah I grew up in San Diego and uh, moved to la when I was eighteen so. I've lived here a long time now, but, uh, but yeah, originally from San Diego. I'm a, I'm a true
2: Valley girl. I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley.
0: Um, what was your, um, I guess your musical education, whether that being going to shows or formal education or how'd you get into music as youngsters?
2: Um, I, how did I get into music as a youngster? Well, I suppose for me, that answer would be musical theater. Okay. Um, Cause I wasn't in a band until I was like 25 in oh, okay. high school. I dabbled on acoustic guitar and like wrote songs with my boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like way, I was like would wear t-shirts that said born to act. And I was just like full steam ahead, musical theater, you know, s- singing and dancing and
0: God, I want to see a born to act t-shirt.
1: I tried to do the musical theater thing, but I never got any good roles. I always get cast as something really crappy. So I come from, I guess, well, my dad, my, my dad's a big deadhead. So growing mm-hmm. up, there was a lot of like bands and stuff that would come like stay at our house on tour. Um, there was this woman that I thought was really cool. She was kind of like this like blues singer. Um, yeah, I thought she was really cool. So that was around it a what lot. What was her name? The you remember Patty? I don't remember what oh. her last name
0: was. <clears throat> Patty the Blue Singer.
1: Patty the Blue Singer. Cool. I get this information. <laughs> um, Yeah, I thought she was really cool. I'm trying to remember. She did like, I don't know. I just grew up singing. I grew up performing a lot, like kind of in a dorky family band. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But I, the songs that I was singing were just totes and a probes. Like, <laughs> I was singing that song, Rock Me Baby, when I was like 10. And it's just like, the lyrics are just like, not appropriate. But I didn't know what any of it meant. So whatever, it's fine. It's just like a classic blues song. And then I also grew up doing piano lessons. And I've been um, revisiting some of the the stuff I used to do at recitals when I was a kid. Because I did um, Pocahontas. Like I used to play piano and sing Pocahontas the colors of the wind colors of the wind yeah and my daughters i've gotten her really into pocahontas so Aww. we've been revisiting that we have a shared a shared passion for pocahontas um and then when i was a teenager i yeah i did like a band with my sister we were we did like a lot of coffee shop gigs and stuff like that and um we were really into like ani franco and that type of stuff mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, as I got older, I really wanted to do like a rock and roll band, you know, because I lo- really like loved um, classic rock and then like all this stuff that came out like in the early 2000s, the wave of like, you know, the Strokes and White Stripes and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that stuff was like a big influence on me. So, yeah. So I met Julie and the rest is history.
0: You guys met and so you moved up there and I'm assuming you met and uh, I'm a guess. You met in Highland Park. No, that would have been too long ago. It's not. wasn't hip Close. Then. Very you, close. You met in... Atwater. Yes. Atwater?
2: Atwater Village.
0: Cool. And so you just... Uh, where'd you meet? Did you meet at a show? Did you meet at a... At a...
2: <laughs> no, I used to own a knitting shop. Oh. On Glendale Boulevard in Atwater Village called The Little Knittery, which is now in Los Feliz. I don't own it anymore, but go visit. And Lindsay came in. Julie's like the woman of many talents. Yeah. (laughs) She's an overachiever. So she's like, I'm going to open a knitting store. I just, I'm very like entrepreneurial and I like to be too busy.
0: Can I ask you something about your knitting shop?
2: I think so. Did you
0: sell yarn?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I sold yarn and I offered classes in crochet and knitting and sometimes like macrame and other fiber arts. It was really cute, and we're talking top of the line yarn.
1: That's what I'm.
0: That's what I'm getting at. My aunt makes
1: no like nasty like polyester, like cheap cheap yarn. This was like baby alpaca, like the softest thing you've ever felt on your fingers.
0: Okay, my aunt makes afghans, and I want to buy the fancy yarn and ask her to make me an afghan.
1: Oh yeah, Julie can definitely point you in the right direction.
2: But I'm like I'm like twelve years out of the game, so I may not
1: i will
3: just
2: refer him it. to a, the little knittery. It's still open. I will. Yeah, that's true. But he lives in Seattle.
0: I'm oh. going to Los Angeles t- tomorrow. I'll go.
2: You have you have bomb yarn shops in Seattle. I bet because it's yeah, cool. have we oh, been right. to one before up there, Julie? I'm sure we have. Because on <laughs> well, tour, we used to go to all the knitting shops, all the local knitting
1: shops.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, we
1: used to do a lot of knitting on tour. Like before kids, we had kids and stuff. Yeah.
0: Um You so both have kids.
1: We mm-hmm. do. We do.
0: What ages are they?
1: My oldest just turned four, and my youngest is five and a half months.
0: Oh my gosh! Mine are three and
1: seven.
0: Oh really? Mine's Mm -hmm. nine. Oh, we could probably have some sort of play date. Oh yeah, I have a nine-year-old nephew.
1: That's a good age. He's he's a sweet boy. How's yours?
0: He's very sweet.
1: What's he into?
0: I was just going to say, he's in the, there's a pile of costumes behind me. He's into making movies and wearing costumes. Wow. Yeah.
2: Very cool.
0: And of course, he's excited about Halloween.
2: My seven year old is into Doja Cat. Really? Yeah. Wow. This should, this should indicate her personality a little bit. Yes.
0: Does she watch all Doja Cat? You have to I haven't censor. even let
2: her watch any Doja. I don't know if she's seen Doja Cat, but that song, that Doja Cat song, Paint the Town Red. Well, she's in a hip-hop dance class. So. Yeah, yeah, she's she's on a competitive... I'm a dance mom. Yeah. She's on a competitive hip-hop dance team.
0: <laughs> wow, cool.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm going to get some more coffee. I'll be right back. Okay. I've got mom brain, sorry. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, so you met at the uh, the yarn shop and you started... Rocking, and then you recorded your first record, Sistrionics.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's like two words um, it's sisters and histrionics. Yes, matched up. up with that, and I loved it.
0: Yeah, and then you recorded a bunch of other records, and you have this insane. Um, I was just looking at all the touring you have done up until now, and with who you've played a bunch of shows with, it's impressive. It looks exhausting when even when you look at it on paper, man, you guys have toured a ton with a bunch of cool bands,
1: yeah, yeah, really fun tours. We're super uh we're super lucky. We've had some crazy adventures
0: um and now you've just released a new version of Baby I Call Hell, and mm-hmm. you're putting out this new record uh,
1: yes, we're following in the footsteps of. A little known artist called Taylor Swift.
0: Okay, I got yes. you. Masters.
1: Exactly. All right. Exactly.
0: Good move. Well, I like the new version better and I think everyone else will. Thank you.
1: Yay. Thank you. Yeah, I was actually like, I was really dreading this whole experience because I just always felt like our first record was so good and like all my vocal takes were so good and we spent a lot of time on that record. And I was like, man, I don't remember, like, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I was dreading it. I'm like, it's not going to be as good. Yeah. But I think I'm pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised. I think it just sounds so good.
2: Um, well, just the way we did it. we We allowed these songs to be what they are, you know? And I think when we made it, we were on a major label. And so they were constantly, like, throwing words around, like, that we were like the destiny's child of rock and roll mm. and like how to make rock and roll pop music and like you know what i mean so much counterintuitive yeah. like counterproductive stuff right yeah. annoying i mean it was stressful for lindsay and i like really stressful because we came in with such a clear vision of what we were and what we sounded like and then it was just all got so murky and gross yeah i feel like our
1: mental health was really kind of struggling that whole it was cycle. bad fighting constantly like at war with our label and our manager trying to like protect our sound and our vision because they were trying to just like turn us into something else and it was just yeah it was like a pretty toxic process because we were just like we know what we're doing like you guys don't need to
2: mess with it you know it's pretty simple um yeah it's pretty like straightforward yeah you know and why why did they sign it if they wanted to change it what what is the what are the underlying what's the underlying logic
0: right and even what you said you said a few minutes ago just the ideas uh, those ideas that it sounds like the label was putting out there's this weird thing that happens in this circumstance where people feel the pressure to come up with an idea and it is both clever sounding and completely fucking thoughtless it's just like, <laughs> oh, I have to say something cool in this meeting. Or this email has to be right. catchy to a detriment. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah.
1: So, that yeah, that was, it was weird. Uh, it's, it's too bad, honestly, because, like, it's just too bad. Because it could have worked out with that label. But we ended up, right. like, walking away from it for the second record for, like, way, you know, a label that had way less money and way less, you know. Because we just couldn't, we just wanted to just, like, be free to make our next record how we wanted to make it. So, yeah, but all that being said, I mean, Cystrianics, it's pretty pure. Like, we didn't co- co-write with anyone or anything like that. Um, but it was just, like, even just, like, the like they were just trying to be, like, okay, well, we'll put you with, like, a pop mixer. And that will be, like, the secret, you know, we'll alchemy, like, we'll put a pop mixer Rock and roll, band, and then that will be like a secret, you know, thing that is just going to turn this into like top 40, just like weird, like dumb decisions like that.
2: Right. They spent so much money on this huge mixer, this huge pop guy who'd never been to a rock and roll show at a club in his whole <laughs> life, who I think just didn't I'm even. i to laugh, like you I mean,
0: it's crazy. There,
2: yeah. There's no magic that happens there. Like you need to work with people who understand what it is they are making. You know what I yeah. mean? He was lovely. He was lovely. He was just like a nice guy.
1: Yeah, admittedly, he was like, yeah, I'm not a rock. I've never really listened to rock music. Right.
3: So
2: it was really. And meanwhile, we were on tour the whole time. So we were like doing like tons of press, you know what I mean? Like three or four hours of press a day and shows and then having to sign off on these mixes and like be part of these email battles about the way these mixes were sounding. And like, it was just nuts, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I understand that. And I'm not anti-label and it doesn't sound like you are either. Just it's, there's this a leftover culture of desperation. It's like not people, not (laughs) evolving. (laughs) I mean, I personally, I think the labels that I work with, fortunately, currently, I like a lot. I hate fucking sending 4,000 emails about art. And, you know, just, I love the, everything the labels own handle and own. Yeah. But, there's some, yeah. there some bad yeah, ones wish, left over.
1: You know, I feel like we were really, you know, um, especially at that time, we were really, like, precious about our vision and really kind of not open to a lot of some of their ideas. But, like, I feel like they could have approached it in a way that would have been better. Like, they really wanted us to co-write. Um, and they were, like, suggesting people that just did, really didn't make any sense, that, like, were not... You know, but if they had been like, hey, like if you, we want you guys to try like co-writing with someone like who would you want to write with? And, you know, we probably would have said some people that we were really, really into and they yeah. could have made that pop in. But instead of them like trying to be supportive and suggesting something like that, they'd be like, we're going to match you up with this random person that like makes no sense.
0: Yeah, uh, I could go on and on about Los Angeles co-writing <laughs> culture from about 2008 to Hopefully it's dying now. It's like, hey, let's go in. a. It's just, I I could go on. I don't, I sound dumb. Our our
2: primary label was in London. So this was all like happening in London. This wasn't even Los Angeles co-writing culture, which like is business music, but you know what I mean? I, I just think like we were so pure, we were really pure. We, we knew what we were and what we were doing and it was important to us. And by the word, we, by the way, we hadn't applied like the F word yet to anything we were doing uh-huh. We can get into that later, but um, <laughs> we were just knew what we wanted to be. We loved Sabbath. We loved Zeppelin. We loved early hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it just was like, I just, from my, from my standpoint of that company That company took a product and just like kind of fucked it up. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to fuck with your product if that's the product you want to distribute. There's plenty a label can do with, you know, everyone should kind of be in their lane. Like uh, we weren't artists who were like, yes, match us with producers and writers because we don't really know yet what our sound is or anything like that. Like, that's not what we were. We were like pretty fully baked. Yeah. So they just they just messed with us. And I, I just think like the way the whole experience of that record, it's the, my, I always, uh, the analogy for me is like, they dropped us off a skyscraper,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And so to see if we could fly. Yeah. And we couldn't, we just like plummeted, you know what I mean? Yeah. They like made us feel all insecure. And then they're like, now we're going to push you off the skyscraper and see if you can fly. But we've already told you, you can't by the way. Right. And then, and then we just like plummeted and luckily somehow like hit an awning that wasn't too far down. You know what I mean? And we've just been like got inside the building and found the stairs and we've been walking up the stairs, you know, right. this whole time. And I, I just <laughs> to me, it's like honestly, my my the way I look at it is I'm I'm I wish we had never done that. I wish we had never signed to a label like that with those intentions. Yeah. Um, obviously you never know their intentions going in. Everybody acts like it's so great. But the way it is with a label like that is if, if it succeeds, it's, it's, they, it's because of their genius. They figured it out. And if it fails, it's all your fucking fault. Excuse my language. It's like, and not only is it your fault, but we actually had dollar amounts thrown in our face. So no one ever let us sign off on any budget line items ever. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was then thrown in our faces. What was spent on things.
0: Mm, you know what course, I mean?
2: After yeah. so it was just like completely toxic and horrible. And yeah. honestly, it was like that with the label, and it was, it was like that with our manager.
0: Well, I'm glad so. you hit that awning. It seemed like you hit the awning, <laughs> yeah, and, we and
2: hit that awning.
1: I'm glad
0: you hit. It saved your lives, and uh, <laughs> and that and now you've recorded Cistronics 2.0. Um, yeah, and so it's
1: been a uh, Cistronics 2.0. I'm gonna say this. this is pretty. This is pretty groundbreaking news okay. but uh we we put bass in there in this record Oh, so uh well, I, played the bass. I did all the bass so it's still me like okay. me you know playing um but it's pretty awesome yeah because it, it, it you know it does differentiate it from the original version and it really like i don't know like it our song—I don't know if you've ever heard our song "Raw Material" from our first record, but just hearing it with bass, Julie and I were like, "God, it's so Sabbathy with bass on it. Yeah, like, it's so
2: sick."
0: How about "Baby I Call Hell"? New bass on that?
2: We did, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: All right.
2: I think "Baby I Call Hell" has double drums, also.
0: Yes, I love we that. Just, we
2: just—we just wanted—we wanted to have a little bit of the live feel, where like, even though we're just a two-piece, and Lindsay actually splits her signal between a bassman and a, a guitar amp, but. Yeah. Um, when you're in a venue, like the room and everything makes that so huge and enormous. Yeah. When you're just recording that, you lose so many of those sure. frequencies, yeah. right? So the bass is this amazing little like trick, little like hat trick to put back in some of that presence and hugeness that you would experience if you were in the room with it.
0: Yeah, great. Well, uh, I'd like to play Baby I Call Hell. Is that cool? Yeah.
3: yeah. All right, Let's here we do go. It.
0: I like that bass.
1: You like it? Yeah. <laughs> and you so, know, so what else is um this record is like a half step down from the original because um Oh. That's how we do it live. Mm-hmm. So when we started touring our first record, I was getting like voice fatigue, you know, cuz it's really like all very like belty. Yeah. So we just tuned everything a half step down, which helped. And um and then that kind of became like our thing as a band. Um, you know, at first you're like, whoa, it sounds different because it's yeah. in a different key. Um, so that's it, yeah, it's a bit like darker sounding. Mm-hmm.
0: And how did you uh how did you record this record? Did you go to a studio? Did you what's mm-hmm. your process? Yeah,
2: we did it at the the cave LA um with Josiah Misachi, mm-hmm. who actually produced our first demos.
0: Okay. That's which cool. some of
2: which are also on uh two point and he's great. He's yeah. like,
1: he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. So patient and really talented.
0: That must have been fun to go back with him and coupled with re-recording these songs. I've never done that. I, I kind of think it would be fun.
1: Like re-recorded a, a song? Uh, yeah,
0: a record. That would, that sounds yeah, fun.
1: it's kind of like, at first, like I said, I was really nervous because I was listening back and I was just like, man, not to like toot my own horn, but I really just was like, my vocal takes were just, I felt like they were like perfection from that first record. And I was like, how am I ever going to like redo this? You know, I just felt like they were so good. But it wasn't really about like, you know, as Julie was saying, like redoing it. It's just kind of doing like more of a sort of a live version almost. Sure. Um,
0: okay. Did you get a, did you, do you know what demoitis is? Do you know that term? Oh, yeah. Did you get any signs of demoitis when you went back in to the cave?
1: No. It was weird, though, because I would listen... We would listen back to the original version of histrionics and I'd be like... I hadn't listened to it in so long for, like, guitar and stuff, and I'd be like, whoa, like, I don't re- remember doing that, like, overdub right there with that pedal. Like, I, like, have no recollection of that. I'd be like, whoa, crazy, you know? Just because it, it evolved, like, how I would do it live, you know, how we would do it live, so... I just like forgot about how some of the guitar sounded on the record was just like a little bit different than it is live. Cause there's like a few overdubs and stuff. So yeah, that was interesting.
0: I did listen to both of them a lot and I did a yeah? blind Thank listen you. in my car.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's more, what's the word? Like this, the new one is more like three dimensional. There's more sure,
0: like boom sound, more yeah. space
1: in it, you know, obviously with the bass, but also just the way I think it was mixed Left, it didn't suck all of the like oxygen out of it, you know.
0: That is a great way to put it. I agree. Well, so the good news is Cistronix mm-hmm. 2.0 is coming out, and you have it looks like a lot of touring scheduled. And the bad news is you're farewelling us. What's why? What's going on?
2: Is it bad news though? Some some bands some bands break up and they don't ever even do a last tour. They just that's it. It's okay. Just, Nobody got to work through it emotionally even. Us having kids, it, this is like just really an enormous piece of why we're wrapping it up. Um, because basically we found that the demands of being a musician mm-hmm. do not seem compatible with the demands of being a mom to multiple children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, even, even doing this cycle right now, um, we're really DIY on this cycle. We're self-releasing this record. We're running our own label. You know what I mean? So everything that comes with that, um, we tour really lean and I like to tour manage so that I make sure we make money. And so it's like, I could literally be working 17 hours a day happily, and knocking everything out but obviously there is no way for me to do that because i have kids so at like 4 45 that's it you know i can't even look at an email again until like 8 20 the next morning so yeah i'm very sentimental so I'm, I'm still
1: in denial about the band ending but you know we're both really busy like like we both have two kids so you know um I definitely want to keep making music, you know. It'll be like weird to do it without Julie because we're like we have such a good uh, creative synergy together. But yeah, you know, it's kind of sad, but it will be fun to do this farewell tour. Yeah, and then
2: maybe by the end of
1: it, I'll be like, thank God this is ending.
2: I think we'd be fooling ourselves if we were like, no, we can. This totally works. Like, let's let's you know get this off the ground and keep going. Um, So it's just like we kind of it was like kind of like a preemptive strike. If we face the realities of our commitments right now in our lives and we really like put all our energy into saying goodbye and doing this right instead of pulling a slow fade or just like, yeah, fading out or disappearing. That'll be so much more meaningful for us to process. And it'll be so much more meaningful for our fans, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're doing a lot of touring. I'm like I'm in denial about our February tour cuz it's really long and I haven't been on tour in a while. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> like, I'm, oh my god. So. And I'm le- I'm I'm leaving my kids at home, so that that'll definitely be like the longest I've ever been apart from them. Maybe I'll convince their dad to like fly to a couple of our shows with them or something, I don't yeah. know.
1: I'm planning on taking at least one of one of my kids on that tour but yeah it's with this this first west coast run we're doing is kind of a trial to see how the kids do because it's like a little shorty you yeah know? like a little easy breezy cool it starts off in san diego which is my hometown so it's kind of like it's kind of a lot of pressure because i'm just like oh all my friends and family are going to be at that the first show you know which yeah. is like a rocky a little bit. Mm-hmm. <gasps> but um i'm sure it will be fun Yeah. And then I'm bringing my kids along and my mom is coming and she's going to help me with the kids. So it's nice to have that support because I was just like, I didn't really want to tour this. You know, I have a five and a half month old. I didn't really want to tour this soon after having a baby. So it's nice to like have that support.
2: Um,
0: Yeah, it's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I did the whole uh, feminism touring cycle with my first daughter. She came with me. Oh, you did? Yeah, so she started coming with me at three months old and she kind of finished up being out with us at like two and a half years.
0: She retired yeah. at two and a half years.
2: Yeah.
1: It was really cute. She was like at such a cute age and it yeah. was just it was yeah, she was so cute to have along. She was so adorable.
0: So it was po- it's it was possible. It seems impossible to me. I know that it's not really but it's it seems... honestly,
2: it's, it's pretty impossible. And it was okay. really hard for me. And I would come home from tour and I would feel like I was going to die. Like yeah. I would feel like I hadn't slept in three weeks. And, um, so to me, to me, it's pretty unreasonable. And I guess, I guess it's, it's frustrating as women. Cause you really want to be like, I can totally have it all. You know, I can, I can be a mom and I can hold on tight to my dreams and, um, but it is really, it's an unreasonable proposal to tour with your kids yeah. as a mom. Maybe I mean, it's like in
1: Canada and we had those like, you know, sweet Canadian grants, the government oh. like supply, you know, yeah. like a tour van and a tour nannies for us.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think great. also like with one, with one kid, it's pretty doable. And to me, I, it's a question mark. I don't know what it'll be like, but we'll see what it's like with two. Right you know i think an infant it's pretty doable because you just you know what i mean they're not like mobile Sure. you just strap them in somewhere you know um so it's going to be interesting with the 4 year old cuz like she has a lot more needs and um yeah so we'll see i mean
0: um okay well good luck with the touring and um your future collaborations in music together or separate
1: thank you so much
0: um travel safe out there when you when you come to seattle i'm going to come to the show Uh-oh. i don't remember when that is but i'll be there
2: yay i believe that is on the 19th of november oh. at neptune theater okay um it's the after party for freak out fest
0: oh gosh that's soon yeah
2: it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah about it um yeah yeah and it's at desert days and kexp are presenting it and great and it's the last show of that of this first like leg of the the farewell tour so
0: well if i'm here i'm there i just realized i might not be there awesome but um Okay, well, tr- again, travel safe and congrats on this new yeah. record. I think it's a great idea to make some new masters.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. And I guess I'll just say if you want to pre-order the record or get tickets to the tour, you can do that on deepvalley.com and that's spelled D-E-A-P-V-A-L-L-Y.com.
0: And you, I I don't know if we covered it, you kind of did, but you're putting this record out.
2: Yeah, Deep Valley Records. Yes. That's right, baby. All right. Now, now all the fans are going to email us and be like, can we be on Deep Valley Record?" <laughs> totally. <laughs> and
0: Sistrionics 2.0 comes out?
2: Uh, it comes out February 1st, 2024. And we also have a bunch of, I don't know
1: if we mentioned, but like, it's a double record. So the first half is Sistrionics. Um, 2.0 and then the second half is like a bunch of unreleased like old demos um B-side like re-recorded B-sides that were like only available in other countries and then like some new stuff that's never been heard before so yeah there's some juicy stuff on there
0: cool yeah
2: including our cover of Ventilator Blues which just came out
0: all right well um Sistionics 2.0 comes out yeah, February yeah. 1st which is my birthday
1: Oh, um, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy early birthday. I will
0: be 28. Hey. Oh, good
2: age.
1: Yeah, it's a great age. age. I'm looking it's forward to my
2: 30s.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> well, um take care and uh I hope to see you somewhere out there. Okay,
1: thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.